Good morning, church. Another fine Sunday morning. Glad to see you this morning. Uh, glad that you're tuning in. We're going to start with a word of prayer this morning. Father, during this pandemic time, we thank you that we can uh, still uh, share the gospel. We thank you that we can uh, keep in touch with one another. We thank you for this ability that you've given Brother Galen to get us on the airwaves. And Father, for, for, for providing for our church in so many fantastic ways and for keeping our people safe. And now, Lord, as we come to your word, we ask that you make it come alive by the power of your Holy Spirit, that, Father, it will uh, touch our hearts and our minds and help us to do what you have us to do. I especially pray for those who need to accept Christ, that they would do that where they're at uh, after this is over. In Christ's name, amen. I wanted to look uh, this morning in the midst of this pandemic at reasons to rejoice. And so the Christian should always have reasons to rejoice because Knowing Jesus as our Savior enables us to rejoice. Uh, the Apostle Peter, in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, beginning verse, verse 3, uh, had these words for us today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation, of your souls. Dr. Alexander White of Edinburgh, England was famous for his pulpit prayers. Uh, many of them have been written down uh, for us today. And on one particular Sunday, as he uh, approached the pulpit, one of his parishioners thought to themselves, well, the preacher won't find anything really to thank God for today because it's a miserable day outside. It was sleeting and it was cold and uh, the weather had been bad all week and uh, the economy wasn't doing well on and on it went and to his amazement uh, dr white about his head said let us pray and began this way we thank thee O god that it is not always like this see thanksgiving rejoicing should be natural for the Christians because we have something to rejoice about because we know Jesus is our Savior and that should enable us to rejoice whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation. Worldwide, this pandemic has caused so many deaths, so many sicknesses. Uh, some people are still having a hard time recovering. Uh, there seems to be flare-ups again. Uh, it seems to be increasing, increasing in our own country, uh, multiplying, uh, daily. Uh, where is it headed? It's like a freight train out of control. Bad news on every hand. 
But let's understand that in the midst of this, we still have reasons to rejoice as Christians because Jesus is our Savior. It's not just rejoicing for that by and by, but it's rejoicing right now when we're living in this pandemic. And so let's look at five ways that Christians can rejoice in the midst of whatever circumstance. The first one is in verses 3 and 6 of our passage. Is this. God's people can rejoice because of their new life in Christ. We can rejoice because we have new life in Christ. It says this in verse 3 and verse 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he goes on in verse 6. He says these words. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Two things. Notice God's grace. In verse 6, Peter said, or he says, you, need, you, you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice. Even in the midst of being grieved by various trials, and it means one on top of another, it means many faceted. It means that they just keep coming, the trials of this life. That's where we are today. Many can attest to that. They've experienced that in the past. But it's still a time to rejoice because of God's grace. Verse 3 again, God has begotten us again. See, he did that according to his abundant mercy, according to his great love. We did not deserve God's grace. We did not deserve new life, but he's begotten us again through Jesus Christ by the power of his resurrection. And if you haven't experienced God's grace and mercy, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you don't have a reason to rejoice. And you need to accept him while you still have the opportunity. Now is the time, for today's the day of salvation, is what the Bible says. So we look at God's grace, and we rejoice because we have new life because of his grace. But that should also bring something else. It should bring our gratitude. He begot us to a new birth by entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been begotten again through the resurrection power of Jesus. Jesus said very plainly in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That leaves out the people who think, well, if I just do more good than bad, I'm okay, or I'm better than this person, or, you know, I've given so much to the church, or I've been baptized 14,000 times, or I've done et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not about I, it's about what God has done. We can rejoice because we have new life in Jesus Christ. The Bible plainly says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, in other words, we've accepted Christ by faith, we've repented of our sins, we've turned from our old way, and we walk in newness of life, we walk in Jesus. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, all things have become new. And so we can rejoice that we have new life. A new life means a different kind of life. It, it means a quality of life. It means walking with Jesus. It, it, it should mean that, that we depend on Jesus. It means that we spend time with him in, in the Bible, in his word, and we spend time in prayer, and we spend time uh, 
uh, with fellow Christians that we spend time in serving him and furthering the kingdom of God right here in our area. We should rejoice in new life. The second thing, again, verse 3, we can rejoice, God's people can, because of our living hope. He's begotten us again, according to his uh, infinite mercies, to a living hope. A living hope? It's true hope. See, a living hope is something that's not dead. It's something that's not decaying. It's something that's not stinking or regressing. It means a living hope that is, that is not empty or vain. Our hope is grounded in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was buried three days, and he rose from the dead. Because he did that, he conquered death in the grave, and he died for my sin and for your sins, and paid the price we could not pay, and so we have a living hope. Even today, we have a living hope in the midst of the pandemic. Too many people try to base their lives on false hope, I see them in all kinds of ways uh, trying to find hope. Some find it in the stock market. Boy, that's a hope that quickly fades. It goes up, it goes down, it goes away, it comes back. Some find it in uh, their bank account. So they find out that can be wiped out. Their job that they can lose. Maybe it's a person, the relationship ends by death, divorce, or or uh, abandonment. You see, you could go on and on. But the only hope while we live right now is a living hope in Jesus Christ. He himself promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. See, we have hope. Roger, uh, Oscar Hammerstein, the composer of Rogers and Hammerstein, uh, used to say that he just couldn't write any of the music, any of the musicals that they produced, he couldn't write a musical without some kind of hope in it. Isn't that what Christians should say? We can't live this life without sharing the hope we have in Jesus Christ. We need to remember we have a living hope versus a false hope. A hope that is growing instead of one that is dying. A hope that is secure and grounded in Jesus Christ. It means that no matter what this world does, they can't take away the hope we have in Jesus of eternal life. The hope we have of spending all of our days with him in a future that the Bible describes as perfect. It is a living hope. It should change the way we look at life. It should change the way we live life right now. Too often, I'm not a good example of that. I get discouraged. I get my head down. I, 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 I want to say enough. I just want to give up. And God said, why would you give up? This is just your ground. You're marching towards Zion. You're, you're coming home. And right now I'm sanctifying you. I'm making you more like Jesus through these various trials. So I have a living hope. And I should remember that even in these difficult days. The third thing is in verse four. God's people can rejoice because of their inheritance. See, we can rejoice because we have new life in Christ. We can rejoice because we have a living hope. But we need to rejoice because of our inheritance. Verse 4 says that we've been born again to this living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. And then he says it's incorruptible, incorruptible, undefiled. It does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Okay, it's, it's, it's our inheritance. Now, 
We know what inheritance is. In the Old Testament, the people of God inherited the land, the promised land. In the New Testament, we inherit the kingdom of God and we'll spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. But he uses four words to describe our inheritance. He says it's incorruptible. See, that means it's not subject to decay. It's unable to be worn out. Our inheritance will never perish or die. Then he says it's undefiled. It's unstained by sin. Hallelujah. It contains nothing unworthy of God's full approval. Oh, that's good. It does not fade away. It's not going to wither. It's not going to grow dim. Uh, the way I put it is it, it doesn't lose its shine. It's, its beauty, its glory is never going to dim. See, it's is that what satisfies? What satisfies in life, you see? What, what never loses its, its luster in life? Too many people buy a new car. Oh, this is going to make me happy. But in a little while, the new car has dents and bangs and it breaks down. Or I'll have a new house, a big old house. And, and that house can fall apart. Uh, everything gets old. There's so much maintenance on it. Uh, well, I'll have a new, new relationship. And that new relationship still has the same old problems that we drug into it. It's lost that luster. It's faded away. But our inheritance in Christ, that hope, that joy, never fades away because our inheritance is there. And then he says it's reserved in heaven for you. You see, in the Greek it means a completed action in the past by God that has the results that are still ever going into the future. See, God did it, and nothing can change it. The inheritance is supposed to be joyful, according to verse 8. Joyful. Sometimes we as Christians forget that. He talks about Jesus. He says, you be found to the praise and honor and glory of Christ. In verse 7 and 8, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Our inheritance is joyful. We're going to experience joys we've never known when we see Jesus. We can experience a little taste of that by doing his work here, being filled with his spirit, studying his word, serving in the kingdom, watching lives change. Oh, what a joy. Oh, what a privilege we have, church. But this inheritance is based on faith in Christ. It's our salvation. Verse 9 says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Our faith is well-placed, and that means we should be joyful. We have an inheritance from God. Now, the final thing that I wanted to touch on is this. It's in verse 5. God's people can rejoice because of their security in the power of God. It says in verse 5, he talks about us and our inheritance, and we've looked at that, and he says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And again, verse 9 says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Outer circumstances change. They get better, they get worse. They can get horrible, they can get amazing. They may even beat us to a pulp, if we're really honest. 
is the way my generation said it. But that doesn't change the fact that we're kept by the power of God. Kept means guarded, carefully watched over. Uh, it was described in two different ways from the uh, people who know Greek that I read. Said, kept from escaping. Nothing can get out of that guard. And it's kept from attack. Nothing can attack it and overcome God. We're kept by his power. We're kept, as Deuteronomy 32, 27 says, underneath the everlasting arms. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. God keeps us. We can rejoice in the security and power of our God. Our lives can be taken away, but they can't take our salvation away. Our lives can change for what we consider the worst, but God says even at the worst, he brings all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that purpose is to make us more like Jesus. That purpose is to worship him. That purpose is to serve him. That purpose is to show others that Jesus is real right here where we live in Gasville, Arkansas, and the surrounding communities, the neighborhoods you live in and I live in, need to see us rejoicing even in the midst of these difficulties. Even in the midst. That verse goes on to say that God will drive the enemies away and he'll tell his forces to destroy, not us, but the enemies. Because we can have security in the power of God. So take joy, church. Remember your new life in Christ. Remember that you have a living hope. I have a living hope. Let us remember that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled. It does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Let us remember and rejoice that it's kept by God's power. And we are secure because of that. So this week, church, as you read your Bible and as you pray, read this passage and remember there are reasons to rejoice even today. Have a good evening. Remember your church staff loves you. We're here to help if we can. And your deacon body is too. Call us if you need us.